0: ladies and gentlemen fellas 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 welcome back to the channel and by the time you're watching this we got about two weeks until the nfl let that soak in get the tingles through your body right now whether you're watching it on youtube give you a wave or listening on the podcast version let that soak into your veins two weeks till football it is coming it is finally here knock on wood we are good to go and today we're looking at mid-round running backs rounds five through seven that's where we're going to cut it off. We already have a must own video on running backs in general. We covered three. I want to break down more into the rounds though. Now, so we're going to be going those mid round running backs, rounds five through seven, maybe you already have one or two running backs in your roster. I hope you do buy these rounds, but if you want to be aggressive and go more towards the wide receivers and tight ends during those rounds, and maybe you like snagging early round quarterbacks, not my cup of tea, not the type of thing we do on this channel, but again, to each their own in these rounds, these are where you can get a ton of value in rounds five through seven based on where I have these guys ranked and just the overall upside. I think they have relative to some other positions in these rounds and especially some other running backs in these rounds. Hint, hint. You can go check out the bust video for running backs for this year, 2020, and all the other videos, the 100 plus, 110 plus now videos in the 2020 fantasy football playlist on this YouTube channel. Thank you so much for being here. If it's your first time meeting me, I know a lot of people, these final two weeks before the season starts, two and a half weeks or so, depending on when you're watching this, will be just meeting me for the first time. A lot of people searching for fantasy football content. You see my videos, they just pop up randomly. It's great to meet you. Please do if you are here. Hit that like button. Takes a couple seconds of your time. And the big one, the subscribe button, you'll be able to see all my other YouTube content here and there. It's no inconvenience to you and it's totally free and it allows this channel to grow if you indeed appreciate any videos out of my past or this specific one if you are brand new here. So today I got four names for you through rounds five through seven that I think are just must own guys in those rounds. There's probably about 10 running backs going in those rounds, sometimes a little bit more depending on your draft, maybe 10 to 12. These are the four guys that I will be looking at. I wouldn't be looking at anybody else. And if all these guys go, then just skip running backs and wait until the rounds eight through 12, which we will be having a video coming out tomorrow or the next day. Again, depending on when you're watching this, it might Already be out for that one. So be sure to check out that late round running backs video. That's what I would do. If these guys are gone, I would just wait for late rounds. Hopefully, you snagged up some early round guys. So you don't have to be forced into taking some of the busts in those mid rounds, in my opinion, through rounds five through seven, <clears throat> Devin Singletary, <clears throat> Raheem starts. I don't want to be taking those uh, I'm not gonna call them junk pieces, but guys that just aren't that good for where you have to draft them, in my opinion. And the guys on the screen behind me, if you're watching on YouTube, these are not the guys I'm talking about. Obviously, these guys are not going in the mid rounds. This is just the player profiles for the running back positions. And you can find this on my Supreme Draft Guide. It's going to be linked down below, and it's thanks to Monkey Knight. Fight just ten dollars this year. If you put into Monkey Knife Fight and you can look at everything in the description, it's a prop betting site. All you do is go down below in the description, it'll tell you exactly how to get my Supreme Draft Guide for just ten dollars. There's a link with a video of me explaining it in about a minute or two. But the Supreme Draft Guide is going to have about 150 player profiles that I put all together, my top 150 rankings for PPR, my PPR and non PPR ranks in general, and tiers, all that stuff. Key stats database it's going to prepare you and help you dominate your draft, beat your league mates, hold the trophy at the end of the year, and watch the loser do the, the punishment that you get to choose as the winner of your league, and so can bask in the glory of it all. Can you feel it right now? Two weeks away, we are. Let's start this video off right now. But the first player that we're going to be looking at, one of two rookies hint, hint today, and it's going to be one Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin running back, somebody that I cannot wait to watch play this year. Football. Everything in the preseason in camp. Look, look, I guess preseason just OTAs and stuff, not really there, no actual preseason games. But everything that we are seeing out of Jonathan Taylor, just coach speak wise, I mean everything's gonna push up his rankings, anything that comes out about this guy, he's taking all the first team reps, he's taking the far majority of the first team reps. And that makes sense when you trade up for this guy in the second round and their general manager said back literally six to eight months ago, they wish that they can actually get Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor in the draft, but they don't think they will both be there by the time that they get to pick in their second round. What happens? And they trade up and get Jonathan Taylor in the second round. After getting Michael Pittman with the second pick in the second round, he went after T Higgins, who ended up going to the Cincinnati Bengals, where Joe Burrow also went. I'm excited for Jonathan Taylor. So let's just look at a couple of things for Jonathan Taylor right now. He's currently going off the board in the fifth round, the 5.09. Right now, if you get Jonathan Taylor there, and look, you might be playing in a Lot of sharp leagues on underdog, whatever it might be. And you might be saying, Sal, I can't get Jonathan Taylor at the end of the fifth. That's his ADP right now, according to four for four fantasy, where they're taking the sites about eight different sites: ESPN, CBS, the FFPC, Best Ball 10. So these are money leagues as well. And they're using a huge consensus. So yeah, some sites that have a lot of sharp people on them, like underdog, you might not be getting anything out of Jonathan Taylor. He might be going in the middle of the fourth, the end of the fourth round. But on average, right now in many drafts, especially if you're playing with people who aren't as tuned in, in your league, and you know that they're probably half of them aren't that tuned in, maybe all of them are not as tuned in as you watching this video. You'll be able to get jonathan taylor in like the fifth round and honestly i think he's one of the highest upside players in this entire draft he's going to be and, and just the entire league at the running back position and in fantasy he's going to be running behind Quentin nelson the best offensive lineman on the left side of an offensive line for run blocking and just in general for the past two years right now best run f- blocking efficiency offensive lineman and overall lineman in the nfl these last two seasons according to pro football focus and he's coming into a situation where marlon mack has been good marlon mack has been putting up solid numbers the last couple of years thousand yard rusher lasher even though he was injured for like the final month of the season final two and a half weeks of the season played injured a little bit as well with lower body injuries, but Marlon Mack is just not moving the needle for them. When you have just this massive talent and Jonathan Taylor coming out and you trade up for him, showing that you have strong interest in actually using him as a rookie. Sure. It might take two to four weeks for Jonathan Taylor to fully cement Marlon Mack, but I do think at some point this season, he's going to, I think that Marlon Mack is a better running back than what Jordan Howard was last year. And it took Miles Sanders about half the season to pass him up, even having a preseason. But I also think Jonathan Taylor is miles better than Miles Sanders was coming out in his first year. I kind of comp Jonathan Taylor to Ezekiel Elliott coming out of college, very similar players. Obviously Zeke in the NFL passed up really after his second year in the NFL, made himself a lot better of a pass catcher. I think Jonathan Taylor can do that. People want to knock Jonathan Taylor's pass catching ability. And that's just wrong in my opinion. At Wisconsin in three years, he had 925 carries in his career. I'll zoom in on this overall stats from his Wisconsin days. So you can say that you're concerned about the workload. I'm really not. He ends up going for 50 touchdowns. He has 55 total touchdowns, 50 on the ground. So five receiving ones. He only had 42 receptions in three years, which was 14 per year, but that's pretty much average in in college. If your running back is getting 20 plus receptions, especially 25 plus receptions in a season. That's very good to see. But it was more so the offense that they played him in. He did see a 10.3% target share. So the volume is not the thing to look at. Anytime a running back goes for a double digit target share in their passing offense, 10.3%, that's good. Wisconsin is just a run first offense. Hence why this guy averaged over 300 and about a 308 carry season per year while he was at Wisconsin for three seasons. They don't throw the ball. So although he only averaged 14 receptions per year, he still saw a 10% target rate. So even their wide receivers weren't seeing a ton of receptions in general. So it's very important to make sure that you're looking into the efficiency numbers and the overall target shares. You have a guy in Melvin Gordon who never produced the numbers that Jonathan Taylor did in college in the receiving department. And then Melvin Gordon comes into the league and he gets to just catch balls left and right from Philip Rivers. Oh, but Sal it's a cheat code. He had Philip Rivers who checks the ball down a ton. Okay. I'll give you that one, but you know, who's now the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts, who's going to be throwing checkdowns to no, not Naeem Hines. I don't want to hear this BS about Naeem Hines is a pass catcher. He's good. No, Naeem Hines is super inefficient. Maybe he's average in the passing game, but this is Jonathan Taylor who's going to be in my opinion, above average in the passing game. And now he gets to play with that same player, that Melvin Gordon, everybody knocked his passing catching ability. comes out and is a very above average pass catcher now in the NFL, mainly maybe because of Phillip Rivers. And Jonathan Taylor now gets to play with that player in Phillip Rivers, who's going to help running backs out of the backfield in their passing game, check down city alert. So I love Jonathan Taylor this year. The concern is that, yeah, you might not get like a month out of him as a starting running back, maybe not six weeks since there was no preseason. That's the concern. But like last year with Miles Sanders, and I think it happens quicker for Jonathan Taylor, especially behind this offense, especially in the red zone. And just because of his talent level in general, compared to Marlon Mack, I think the second half of the year, he's going to be one of the best running backs week in and week out for fantasy purposes. And maybe even in the NFL, if this was five years ago, Jonathan Taylor would have been a top 10 pick similar to what you saw out of Leonard Fournette, similar to what you saw out of Zeke and Saquon Barkley. And those players were first round picks, Saquon and Zeke coming right out as rookies. Jonathan Taylor would be in that department like the Clyde Edwards-Solaire is right now as a rookie as a first round pick with the Damian Williams news. If indeed this was five years ago and Marlon Mack wasn't coming off of a couple thousand yard seasons, I think it's going to take a couple of weeks. That's why he's slipping into the fifth round. I honestly think Jonathan Taylor is an early to mid fourth round pick. I would be scooping him up if you're there in the fifth round early and he's still on the clock. If you don't think he makes it back to you, take him in the end of the fourth round if you really need to. There's a lot of upside right now for Jonathan Taylor, and I am very excited to see it. Second player we will be talking about is David Montgomery, Chicago Bears sophomore running back. After not having the greatest of rookie seasons in terms of his expectations, being drafted in a lot of fantasy drafts, similar to where Jonathan Taylor is going, at least where I think he should be going, like the fourth round is where Montgomery went last year. We could zoom in on his 2019 stats overall. And again, they were not that great. He was known as a guy who was breaking tackles coming out of college. And he did that in the NFL. He was 13th in evaded tackles amongst all players. And he was a rookie last year. The issue was he was 53rd in yards after contact, which is not good. And that's a, that says right behind me, yards after contact, if you're watching on YouTube. And then he was 60th in yards created per touch. But okay, okay. All these things are fair, but he's going with now almost the last pick in the fifth round, the 5.11. Again, you might be saying, Sal, he doesn't make it out of the end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth, and all the drafts I'm doing on underdog, or all these, these drafts that I've been doing in the preseason. People drafting in May and June and July are sharp people. They're actually tuned into fantasy. Most people drafting in August are casuals or September are casual people. They're not going to be up to speed on the actual ADPs and values of these players. Unless of course you're watching these videos. Let's talk about the bad. Obviously I just talked about how inefficient he was, even though he was efficient at breaking tackles, inefficient afterwards. But look, he ended up seeing 242 carries, 889 yards. That's not good. Very inefficient. Bad was the fact that he ran behind just a very so-so offensive line that really didn't change over the off season. And another bad was just that his quarterback was Mitch Trubisky. The defense got a little bit worse. So, they were in negative game scripts for running the ball, meaning that they were trailing and rarely ever taking the lead early on in games, or at least for the majority of the game, time of possession wise. And Mitch Trubisky became an absolute toaster out there, throwing hospital balls and just playing absolutely inefficient, throwing overthrowing receivers left and right. There's all tapes out of it and memes on Twitter. You can find them, I'm sure. But okay, even in that bad, the volume for him last year, including the 25 receptions, which go very sneaky on 35 targets, even with Tariq Cohen in his backfield, you end up seeing last year as a rookie 267 total touches. In the worst case scenario, you ended up seeing the Chicago Bears Run about 75 less rushing plays from two years ago to last year. I think that regresses a little bit. Even if the defense doesn't improve in a major way, the offense just naturally has to improve from being one of the worst offenses, bottom three in the league last year. And maybe that happens from just a switch from Mitch Trubisky to the quarterback they got in the offseason in Nick Foles. It was a brutal 3.5 yards per carry, as you can see on the screen right here. But what happens if now they're just a little bit better? They run instead of losing 70 rushes from two years ago in 2018 to 2019, losing 70 rushes. What if they get 35 of those back, and the majority of them since Tariq Cohen? and see much work on the ground last year. And we can scroll to the backfield competition. Now talking about Tariq Cohen, who Tariq Cohen only saw 64 carries last game was averaging about four to five k- touches per game on the ground. He got all of his work in the receiving game over hundred targets, 75 receptions, but was very inefficient in the receiving game. He did have a lot of receptions in volume, 10th and receiving yards amongst running backs, fourth in receptions, eighth in routes run, but his overall efficiency metrics were very bad. He had a lot of drops as well. If they're going to have 35 more carries now, then you could assume that at least 20 to 25 of those, if not more is going to go to Jonathan Taylor and bam, just like that, Jonathan Taylor is pushing towards a 290-touch season, and if they actually are in a situation where maybe they run a little bit more than that, closer to what they did in 2018, if the offense is a little bit more improved, if the defense stays as they were last year or even improves back to maybe not being number one in the league like 2018, but maybe being number five, six, or seven, now you have close to or if not a 300-touch running back, especially if he takes a step forward in the receiving game at all, 25 touches as a rookie receptions-wise in the receiving game is a very good number. Now you have a guy who's going to be going out there and being in the situation where he's touching 300 touches and he's almost going in the sixth round of your drafts. It is very good to see that. And there's no competition. Yes, Tariq Cohen will be in there for passing downs. But the reason why Tariq Cohen had so much work last year, and ended up seeing 79 receptions on 104 targets, was because they were trailing so much. So if they stop trailing, and that helps David Montgomery, it's going to be an even better situation for Montgomery because Tariq Cohen won't be out there as much, won't be snagging up as many receptions. After that, there's no competition as Ryan Nall and Artavius Pierce are not going to really be doing anything. Ryan also two carries all year last year, and he only was active for two games. Now, here's the offseason additions that you can find. Again, all this stuff is going to be on these player pro- profiles on the Supreme Draft Guide, just $10. Link down below. You can figure out how to get it through Monkey Knife Fight if you were eligible for that offer. In the offseason, you can see they ended up getting Nick Foles. They added some tight ends from whether it's just some veterans and Demetrius Harris, former Kansas City Chief, Jimmy Graham, former Packer, former Saint, former Seahawk, all those things. They had some tight end depth, so it's really not going to factor in too much. Jimmy Graham is not a great blocker. Demetrius Harris, if anything, will probably block for the most part. Cole Komet in the draft, but they didn't really add any running back depth that I should be worried about. They added absolutely none. Nothing in the draft, which helps David Montgomery. Makes sense since they drafted last year pretty early, but nothing in free agency. So there's nothing to worry about there. Their offensive line probably isn't going to improve that much. I mean, they added some offensive linemen, but Jermaine Effendi comes from a Seattle offensive line that was very bad. So if you can't stay on the Seattle offensive line that needs offensive line help, it says a lot about you. They added a seventh round offensive lineman interior in the draft. And then what you end up getting last year, their offensive line, they ranked 20th in pass blocking and 20th in run blocking. So slightly below average, their best run blocker in James Daniels was actually ranked 77th in the league last year. So I think they're going to regress closer to their 2018 rushing totals, which will help David Montgomery getting this guy at the end of the fifth even if you're in sharper leagues and he's going midway through the fifth as potentially your RB3 your flex spot or your RB2 at this point and you're in the end of the fifth round with a strong RB1 and you've already solidified three stud wide receivers you're in a really good start to your draft in my opinion next up for us is another rookie in DeAndre Swift and I like DeAndre Swift a lot he continues to move up my board as close to now a top 25 running backs in my rankings and you can get this guy in the sixth round DeAndre Swift is a fantastic flex option if he's your RB3 if you now have three wide receivers two stud running backs or three stud running backs, two stud wide receivers. And now you get DeAndre Swift in the sixth round where he's currently going on average as ADP to 6.04. You are set up beautifully in my opinion, because this is a guy who can hit a home run immediately out of the box. Garyon Johnson has already said to the media that he's excited to split the workload and now to take a back seat, pretty much in his comments to DeAndre Swift. That's good to see. All the positive news out of camp is that the Andre Swift is just taking on a ton of a workload. Not only is he becoming already the passing down back on third downs, but he's taking on even more of a workload than that. We kind of got to see that last year in his final year at Georgia, where if I zoom in here on his stat line last year, he ends up going out in 14 games and having 197 carries over 1200 yards and eight touchdowns. And he had, like we talked about earlier for rookies with Jonathan Taylor, he had that magic number of over 20 receptions with 24 receptions for 216 yards. He ended up getting it done inside the red zone as well. Inside the red zone, he had 11 touchdowns last year. And he he was very good against top 25 teams in the league, averaging five yards per carries on 82 carries. He had 408 yards and a touchdown, but he's coming into an offense that yes, On Johnson coming into his third year has had a lot of upside, at least in high hopes from last year and even his rookie year out of Auburn, but back-to-back knee injuries that have just decimated this guy. He's just not the same player. He's not going to be able to get it done out there. In my opinion, you spend draft capital on a second round pick for DeAndre. So who I had as the number one running back in this draft. And now you have this number one running back in the draft, in my opinion, and a lot of sharp analyst opinions going into a team that wants to run the ball, a bunch of donkeys they have a good passing offense, so they should stay ahead in games, in my opinion, to an extent defense, not great, but at least be in neutral game scripts. And even if they're not the pass catching ability of DeAndre Swift, again, in his Georgia career, if I scroll down here for you, 73 receptions in the last three seasons, that's really good to see only three drops on 90 career college targets in that very key indicator of over a 10% target share while in college for a running back 10.1% similar to Jonathan Taylor's number is good to show you that he's a game flow independent back, which carry Johnson really has not been for Detroit. And there's some reports coming out that they want to, Use a huge committee in the backfield in Detroit with Ty Johnson. They got rid of J.D. McKissick, but they still have Ty Johnson, and they also drafted another rookie running back back there in Jason Huntley, and they have all these other guys, right? on Johnson, DeAndre Swift himself, Both Scarborough is still there, but I don't buy it because once DeAndre Swift steps on these practice fields and he's there right now and he steps on the field in regular season, he's going to be the best running back on this team by far. It's not even close. It's not even close. He's coming out of Georgia U, running back U, where they're producing running backs left and right there, whether it's your Todd Gurley's, whether it's your Nick Chubbs, at left and right, they're producing these elite running backs. So you should be going out there to get DeAndre Swift. And he continues to move up draft boards. But again, a lot of casuals drafting in the end of August and beginning of September. And maybe until you watch this video, you didn't realize it. Don't understand the talent level of DeAndre Swift and the fact that he is actually going to be the best case scenario for the Detroit Lions from just a talent perspective, a versatility perspective, and just pure overall running perspective on the ground for their backfield right now. Their offensive line did lose Graham Glasgow, who went to Denver to now block for Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. So that is a tiny bit of a concern because he was their best offensive lineman. They ranked top 12 last year. So I expect their offensive line to be around average this year. I expect if Matthew Stafford is indeed healthy for now the full season and not just half that the passing game will open up the running lanes very well for them, that they'll actually get out to leads earlier in games. And that just helps the running backs even more. They'll be in the red zone even more with an efficient offense going through TJ Hawkinson in the middle of the field and Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones on the outside for Matthew Stafford. So I do indeed like to see this. So for me, DeAndre Swift is somebody that is a must own pick, especially since you got guys like Devin Singletary and Raheem most start being drafted around him. J.K. Dobbins, who yes, he's on a run first offense, but there's two other running backs that I expect to see more carries than him this specific year. Whereas DeAndre Swift, I don't think there's going to be any running back in that backfield, barring any type of injury to see more carries than DeAndre Swift in Detroit. And finally, the fourth and final must own running backs from rounds five through seven. Give me a like button for me real quick. Big old subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube is going to be Kareem Hunt, the Cleveland Browns backup slash change of pace running back behind Nick Chubb. I'll zoom in on his 2019 stats, but Kareem Hunt is currently going in the sixth round with the seventh pick of 12 team drafts. These are PPR drafts. These are 12 team drafts that were going off of the ADP for. And it's just too hard not to like what Kareem Hunt has coming out. So last year, you saw Kareem Hunt only played half the games because of a suspension. He saw 80 touches in his final eight weeks, so 10 touches per week. Saw three touchdowns, 464 yards, ended up seeing 37 receptions, which ended up edging out by two receptions, Nick Chubb, over the second half of the season in the receiving department, but only saw 43 carries on the ground, playing on 54.1% of the snaps. So he actually played in the slot a decent amount. He ran a couple of routes out of the slot per game, and he played a lot in the backfield with Nick Chubb because they overlapped. Nick Chubb was playing well over 50% of the snaps the second half of the year. And the fact that you had Kareem Hunt playing over 50% of the snaps means that they overlapped on the field together. He was seeing 4.6 receptions per game. So I'm going to like him a lot more in PPR formats, especially for the value. And he was top five in per play production at the running back position. Now, I have no reason not to not want to take Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is a top 10 running back for me in my rankings. He's a number eight running back overall currently for me in my rankings. I just think that Kareem Hunt, based on the value that you're going to be getting, a guy that's going to be seeing maybe three or four receptions a game on average with the upside of these six to eight reception games, especially if they use him in the slot a lot more I'm going to like that. You have Kevin Stefanski coming out here who likes to go run first. Now, the issue with him going in the slot is they're going to run a lot of two wide receiver sets. If Stefanski uses Minnesota's offense that they used last year or last year, they were using one healthy Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs on the outside. When Thielen was not healthy, you had some sort of mix of Stefan Diggs and Busy Johnson on the outside. I expect it to be a lot of Odell Beckham Jr. on the outside with Landry on the outside and two tight end sets, which means one running back usually in the backfield. Now that's okay. And that's going to be a lot of the offense with Nick Chuck back there. But the times when that's not the case and they go three wide because they're trailing or they're just in passing down situations or it's a change of pace situation, if you're going to be getting 10 to 12 touches out of a running back in the middle of the sixth round right now, or just somewhere in the sixth round in your specific draft, and he has the upside on those 10 touches for half of them to be receptions, it's just hard to ignore that. And then obviously you have all the upside in the world. If anything happens to Nick Chubb, who I expect to be in line like he was last year for a 300 plus touch season, if anything happens for him, he got injured in college. If there's some sort of injury now that happens to him in the NFL, Kareem Hunt steps into an automatic top 10 running. Back week in and week out, and if not top five running back, depending on the matchups for him. Now, Nick Chubb is there. He played 71% of the snaps last year, and Nick Chubb in 16 full games only had 36 receptions, while Kareem Hunt in eight games had 37. So, you obviously know Kareem Hunt will be the primary pass catching back. I don't think Nick Chubb will be crushed in the receiving game, but I would expect Chubb to go from a 36 reception season down to like a 20 to 25 reception season. But a lot of that can be made up for with this new offense coming in. And instead of having 298 carries on the ground and only eight touchdowns, where he was actually unlucky inside the 10 yard line compared to all the other running backs who saw the similar amounts of red zone touches that Nick Chubb saw in the red zone. And inside the 10, I'm talking guys like Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley. Nick Chubb had one of the overall lowest touchdown success rates inside that 10 yard line. And a lot of that is just being unlucky and running behind, but was a awful offensive line last year. It just hurt Baker Mayfield a the time and the running game. That's going to be better, which will help Nick Chubb, but also it's going to be helping his backup in Kareem Hunt. There's also a slight chance that at some point during the season, Kareem Hunt could get traded to another team. And that could just be a great situation because if that's the case, he's probably coming in to be the top dog. Now that's a very slim chance, but we've seen something like that happen before when Nick Chubb was a rookie and they ended up trading out Carlos Hyde midway through the season. So that could happen. It could open up some upside, but I'm not going to be banking on that or making it a key point, just something to note. And then lastly, the team additions and subtractions. These are some things that we should actually touch on because the offensive line improved in a major way. They get Jedrick Willis, a tackle out of the draft out of Alabama with their first round pick. Then they go around and they end up getting themselves Jack Conklin, who was a major force on the offensive line of a run first unit the last couple of years in Tennessee was blocking for Derrick Henry's huge seasons, league leading rusher last year will now be blocking for Nick Chubb, but also Kareem Hunt. They go out, they get a fullback. That's going to help this run first offense that I'm expecting now with Kevin Skavansky thriving off of play action, where Austin Hooper will be an addition for them from the Atlanta Falcons. And I don't really lose much that I'm too worried about some offensive linemen, but again, offensive linemen that weren't great last year, replacing them with higher upside guys in Jack Conklin and Jedrick Willis. So I do think Kareem Hunt is somebody that we want to be owning based on the value that you can get him. Look, if he was going in the fourth round, yeah, I don't want him there. But going midway through the sixth round as your RB3 flex option for a guy who was averaging 10 touches per game last year and half of them being receptions that is his huge PPR upside. And I think he's an independent skilled player, not really a handcuff to Nick Chubb. He's an independent player on his own who has all the upside in the world. If anything was to happen to Nick Chubb. So that's it. Those are four running backs must own guys between rounds five through seven. Right now, a recap, Jonathan Taylor, David Montgomery, DeAndre Swift and Kareem Hunt in those rounds in those rounds at the end of the fourth if you want to stretch it to the end of the seventh to the beginning of the eighth those are the guys that I'm looking at right now I'm not looking at any of the other bust running backs like Devin Singletary and J.K. Dobbins who I don't think Dobbins is a bust but just won't have as much opportunity and Raheem Mozart who I think is the biggest bust of all the running backs right now based on ADP I don't want those guys I want the guys that I mentioned today in the video and if you want to be getting some late round running back videos they might already be out depending on when you're watching this if not they'll be releasing about one or two days after this video so you can check the upload date on this one for late round running backs usually a rounds eight through pretty much 12 to 16, depending on how many rounds your draft is. So thank you for tuning in. If you want access to all of my rankings for your draft, which are going to help you, the more informed you are, the better chance that you have at winning your league. And I've been putting a ton of time, effort, and information into my Supreme Draft Guide. Not only do you have all these player profiles for different positions, you end up getting overall these key stats databases right here, the rankings that are dropping down, PPR, non-PPR, top 150s, rookie rankings, tiers, ranking updates as well. So you can see when news drops, the updates that I'm making personally. All that stuff is in the Supreme Draft Guide, and it's only going to be $10. Thank you to the sponsor of the supreme draft guide and this video monkey knife fight you can find all that information linked down below before you head out hit that like button hit the subscribe button and check out some of the other videos on this channel thank you so much everybody and i will see you in the next one